Welcome to UVA Throws Podcast for people who want to learn from successful student athletes, coaches, and professional throwers, and we bring you this from their own perspective. Their experience and lessons will save you a lot of time and trouble. Today with us we have Steve Manns, also known as Steve Manzic in some countries. Steve was a very successful collegiate athlete and professional athlete who traveled around the world competing and now he shares his knowledge to many athletes as a successful college coach. He will talk to us about his experiences at all levels of coaching as well as competing and he'll give you some insight in his recruiting strategy. If you like our podcast, hit that subscribe button. It helps us a lot and enjoy our interview with one and only Steve Destevo. Mans. So we got Steve Mans here with us. Steve, thank you so much for your time. How's everything over there? Everything's great, man. Thanks for having me. Having me, I'm uh, I'm truly honored uh, watching a few of the other podcasts and the and the great coaches that you've been uh, interviewing and talking to. It's it's really cool. Um, I think you're doing a really cool thing. But uh, we got crazy times. Um, yeah, I got times with a with a three-year-old and a five-week-old right now so yeah um, how's that <laughs> being a dad good. Uh, second time it's, good. it's a lot of work but uh this this uh covid break has kind of turned into a, a paternal leave almost so um it's nice to 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 be here helping my wife beth um yeah. I, I can't imagine how tough it would be if i was if i was traveling on the road every weekend like we would be right now usually right so. yeah so how how is that now for you guys? How do you recruit? Obviously, the kids are not competing. There's no marks for juniors, right? Uh, right. You already kind of know class of 2020, but 2021 is usually what we uh, go and look at now. How do you recruit, or what's your suggestion for juniors who haven't had a season? Yeah, I mean it's tough. Um, I think the best thing they can do is is get some video of them of of them throwing and, and training, maybe even. Uh, marking some throws. Um, I mean, otherwise, otherwise, with a lot of these athletes that are uh, more in the walk-on level, you're you almost have to wait till the indoor season and, and see how they've progressed. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to judge a high school athlete off of sophomore marks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I threw forty foot ten and one twelve as a sophomore. Like, <laughs> no one, no yeah, one's going to play yeah. a shot. You know, yeah. um, it's just and. An, there's so much improvement in those last couple of years of high school, just like your last couple of years of college. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really tough. I think the best thing you can do is, is stay in touch um, with the coaches and schools that you're looking at um, and give them as much, as much video evidence of, of your improvement. Yeah. What, uh, what is that you're looking for in terms of kids coming in for 2020 class? Let's say, uh, are you looking for, um, uh, you know, a certain number of people or are you looking for a certain distance? How do you, uh, how do you going to plan for 2021 and 2022, right? For the future recruits? Yeah. Um, so I'm finishing up my fourth year at Miami and, uh, my first year was awesome. Uh, I came in and I had this group that was just handed to me, uh, all these seniors. Um, and we had, uh, I want to say three all American women that year. Yeah. Uh, our women shot group. I, think was first indoors um with that that um group scoring that uh usdf ccca does um and i think we're second or third outdoors to uh 
Justin St. Clair's group is always, he's always on all of those lists, <laughs> uh, blowing them up with his depth and, and, yeah. and talent. Um, but uh, they all graduated, uh, minus uh, a javelin thrower who uh, um, missed out on her fifth year this year. And um, we're very hopeful, she, hopeful she's coming back for a sixth year. But uh, um, it, it's a really good group at this point. I grinded really hard those uh, first two or three years trying to build it. And uh, at this point, I have about 17 throwers. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm only bringing in one or two athletes, throwers this year. Okay. Um, and really, in the next couple of years, because they're so young, I'm in a position where it's got to be the right, the right kind of athlete um, to add to the group. Because mm -hmm. I like a big group, but I think 20 is on the high end. Um, it's just it's, it's hard, hard, to yeah, hard to be split them up and give them all the attention that they deserve um, when, when you have that big of a group. But the great thing is um, it creates like a, like a training center type of atmosphere. And um, the cream rises to the top, the athletes push each other, and, that, and that's a great thing. Um, so right now I'm just um, – it, it's kind of easy. This year uh, it, it's got to be the right athlete. Uh, next year, same thing. I've got um, – outside of my um, – six-year javelin girl who went 53 meters um i've got uh a lot of sophomores and juniors that are going to come back acting like freshmen and sophomores well not acting uh they're going to come back as freshmen sophomores yeah, um, exactly yeah. their situation will be as such yeah yeah so um it, it's kind of uh i've been anticipating this this coming year in 2021 for uh a couple of years now i've been saying like all right hang in there um we've got a lot of young talent like yeah. They're going to be juniors and seniors someday, and and when that situation comes, uh, we're gonna we're gonna light it up. So, uh, I am really excited for next year, and um, I've got some. I know I've got some athletes that are are busting their butts um, over this break, and um, and not by my command. I mean that's that's not even allowed. Yeah. Um, but I just I, I know the type of group I have, and it's it's really the best group I've had. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had some great groups, but this one in size and the amount of athletes that, that go home over Christmas break or, or go home over the summer and you know, like, they're still training a lot. They're getting in the weight room three, four days a week and they're getting out there throwing three to five days a week and, and, and maintaining and even improving on the last year rather than losing it all and having to build that back up in the yeah. fall when you see them again. Uh, I so. I like that you're, uh, that you're looking big picture, right? So for you, what it seems like, it's not, okay, I'm going to get this athlete freshman year. They have to contribute. They have to win conference. Uh, what you have, what you're looking at all, mostly is how, this, how you're going to develop this athlete, right? How, yeah. And, you know, for your example, in high school, uh, when you look at Steve Mez in high school, not, uh, not big, a lot of big coaches missed, missed out on you uh, yeah. because they didn't see the talent that is there. Uh, so this is this is what you're good at now. That's why you know you had a couple of very good groups, and I'm excited to see what you're going to get. Uh, so when the athletes is reaching out to you, if they're not, I don't know, uh, let's say for a woman, um, she didn't throw 40 feet, would that be something to deter you from uh, recruiting that person? Or, um, you know, I mean, 40 feet and 130 are the kind of the low end benchmark of the walk-ons for me right now. Um, I almost need to see that or know that there's big potential. Mm -hmm. um, if an athlete has a lot of size or if they're working with a private coach that 
that that I'm familiar with and can talk to, and, and they're saying, "Oh, this this one's going to light it up. They're a diamond in the rough." And, yeah. um, I've been really lucky in in my coaching years finding those type of athletes. Um, my my mo the last ten years is is really just getting developmental kids, um, and that was that was six years um, at Eastern Michigan, uh, also in the MAC conference, um, only coaching men, and I don't think I ever outside of the decathlete I was coaching. I don't think I ever had more than uh, more than a full or even a full ride invested in in the men's throws. Wow. Uh, and it's um, it's kind of the same situation in Miami. I'm, I'm working with a lot of developmental guys. Um, the women's side uh, has been a new challenge to to get better and better talent when there's more money available. Um, mm-hmm. When you have 18 scholarships versus 12 six or or a, a not fully funded men's program might have eight or nine. Um, so that, that's been a new challenge, but I've got, I mean, I've got a great group of girls as well. Um, my guys are, are really developing and it's, I really appreciate, uh, the walk on. I mean, I was a walk on in college yeah. and, uh, and developed and, um, it's really fun, really fun developing someone who didn't get any recruiting love out of high school. And all of a sudden they're, they're on the national scene. Um, now that's a, that's a one every three or four years type of kid. Um, but man, it, it's, it's fun when you get a kid like that, with that's really passionate and is willing to work. Um, as, as Judd Logan would say, work when no one's watching mm-hmm. champions are made when no one's watching. So, yeah, yeah. um, those are the type of kids I, I've really, uh, um, targeted and, and tried to find. And, and it's in the recruiting process, it's hard to find out if a, a kid's work ethic. Um, mm-hmm. everyone says that they work they hard. Work hard every, right? I do yeah. harder, right? Yeah. And every parent or coach that you talk to thinks that their, their, their child is the next phenom or Olympian. And it's, yep. it's tough. And, and, I, and, uh, you might have a high school guy who throws 55 feet and 170 who thinks, man, I'm going to get a full ride somewhere. And that's, that's just not the case. Um, yeah. I mean, and it, and it depends on what kind of school you're looking at. Um, I think, for a lot of these recruits, I mean, the schools that are going to have bigger offers than the other ones, you typically, that's not a place you want to be. Um, they're either desperate to get in athletes because they don't, they don't have a program. Um, their team's not balanced. So they have the money to throw it at people. Um, I, I mean, one of the big things in my last 10 years is we're, we're trying to win conference championships mm-hmm. um, and you need team depth. You, you can't have um, a, a ton of money invested all over the place um and what's nice with with, with us is um you have a walk-on sport conference meet or go go big and get to the national meet something like that like these kids are getting are getting rewarded with with scholarship the following year um so it's nice when they can always earn it um yes as opposed to, uh, I, I i've heard lots of horror stories of uh coaches bringing in kids on 70 percent or full rides and mm-hmm. and they just they it's stagnant or they, they don't improve because they were developed in high school. Yeah. Um, so um, I've always, I've always loved the developmental approach. And, uh, and I, and that's so in your career, you can see that uh, as well. Uh, you were such an enthusiast of throwing. You love throwing so much. I remember you throwing in Europe. Uh, this is how I first met you back in 2008, 2009, 2010. I remember you coming to Europe and compete and you were professional that right after kind of professional you're coaching and then you would take a summer to recruit and throw mm-hmm. and man you were going for distance for those things you were you were willing to live in these small apartments in europe 
uh, just create a couple, you know, a couple hundred dollars to pay rent, and you're learning Croatian. You're speaking Croatian well enough to get around uh, because you wanted to train in Europe and compete in Europe, and you have. And I remember that meet. You know, talk about love for throwing, guys. I remember this meet in Slovenia when you uh, threw over 20 meters. You won the meet, and there were some guys there that were six eight, 400 pounds, and you see Steve. Not not six eight and not four hundred pounds <laughs> beating them all, and you're like, I dang go. Yeah, really. I mean, that's you know, some coaches. It's nice to hear when coaches say like, oh yeah, you know, we're looking for. Uh, we love this sport. I'm doing this for love, but you really you live it. Like you live this sport yeah. uh, since you know, I'm sure high school. From what I know you from professional, you can't fake that. Like you you cannot fake what you had in Europe for those couple months. You will come and we're willing to uh, uh, get on a tram. Like you said, for an hour to go to the stadium and back and live in this foreign yep. country. That was incredible. Yep. Were you I like mean, that in high school or how did you get in how did you fell in love with the track and field? Um Why so uh <laughs> I love sports growing up. Um it was sports and animals. So I was outside all the time. Um I really my first love was baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh I moved to a new high school. Uh or I moved to I I switched schools right before ninth grade. And uh, um, played baseball that freshman year uh, on the freshman team, and it was there was just a lot of politics in 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 that in team sports, um, yeah. and definitely at this high school, uh, I was I was I don't think I hit puberty yet. I was chubby, um, well, still chubby, but more I was chub- I was chubbier um, and just soft. Um, but uh, I, I played baseball that year. They only gave me. Um, eight at bats uh and I went six for seven with a walk so I batted like I don't know 800 um and I wasn't great at defense I'll admit that but uh um the 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 next year um uh during tryouts I got cut from the baseball team and uh I still played little league baseball that year I had a great year um the uh, varsity baseball coach actually um kind of wanted me back um he did he wasn't one that officially cut me um but uh, he wanted me back, and I, uh, he was the running backs coach for f- football. So my junior year, after I had developed a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I, I just I got some speed as well, um, he had me come out to be a fullback. And I think it was his way of, of trying to get me back into baseball. But uh, um, I went to track my, my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I threw uh, – I glided 40-foot-9, and I South African uh, 112 out of the ring um, with this awful – um, just the worst haircut ever. Um, but, but, but my hope, my coaches, uh, we had some great throws coaches, our head coach, um, he had an, a discus athlete in the final, uh, the state final, like 20 years in a row, something like that. Um, and, um, while I was there, um, my three years throwing, um, we had another, so that, that guy's name was Doug Griesick. Um, we had another guy, Tim Hansen, who had just graduated from Central Michigan. He was a discus javelin guy um, and came in um, with a lot of passion um, to, to coach me. And, and, and Coach Griesick kind of um, handed over the reins for the throws group, um, which we had a huge one. We had, I think we had 300 um, of our 1,000 student, students in high school, I think 300 on the track team. And we had about 80 to 90 throwers. Oh my God. Um, so, so it was that's, crazy. It was crazy. Like a Soviet um, selection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a we had a sidewalk that went out to the the track field, and there were probably thirty painted rings. 
Um, so people were throwing wow. maybe 10 feet away from each other, all the same direction. Yeah, but if I anyone mean, loses yeah, one, it, oh it, and just buckets and buckets of rubber discs. Um, but my sophomore year, um, at 40 feet and 112, these coaches made me feel like, um, like I, like I had a lot of, um, potential to, to do something great. And they made, they made me feel great about it. It was a, a completely different, uh, sport, um, individual versus team. Like your mark is all that matters for the most part. Um, it doesn't matter if you're favorited or, um, whatever, but, uh, my junior year, uh, I was still gliding in the shot and hadn't figured it out. I thought of myself as a discus thrower. Uh, I threw 47, two from the glide. Um, and 156.10 in the discus, which was fourth at the state meet. Um, okay. And I did it at the Okay. Um, so uh, even more passionate then. Uh, I had only treated track and field like a, like a three-month-out-of-the-year kind okay. of sport. I was also playing football um, and doing indoor soccer um, and outdoor soccer. Um, and uh, between my junior and senior year, I, was, I just – I wanted to be – to be really good thrower. I wanted to throw in college. Um, that senior year, um, my throws coach, who was the PE coach um, or PE teacher, yeah. um, set me up as his uh, student assistant for one of the hours of school. Awesome. So during the day, I think it was uh, right after lunchtime around, I think it was like 1230 to 1:30. I had this um, period where I'm the teacher's aide. And I didn't do a thing to help that class. I, uh, I was learning and I was throwing an indoor shot into a, into the brick wall over in the corner every day. Um, and if not, I was, I was going outside to, to throw disc in the snow. More, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that that spring, um, we found about 20 rubber discs that had gotten lost, uh, in the snow and, uh, just, just, Ended up figuring it out. Um, I think I threw 50 feet indoors in the shot, maybe 51. As a senior, this and, is senior year now. Senior year, yep. Wow, uh, you, and then, you were not very good. No, no. In high um, school, I mean, you were all three-time American. We're talking about three-time American in NCAA. Uh, yep, so, okay. I, I, and, and I was still discus thrower. I threw 56 feet in the shot. Um, kind of choked at the state meet. I think I was seventh, uh, and I went in ranked first or second. Um, and then in the discus, um, I think I came in ranked like sixth or seventh and I won it, um, with, with, the state meet record throw, um, for class B, which got, um, uh, retired. They went from classes to divisions. So no one, no one can ever break my, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. foot throw. Record um, yeah. But I mean, I was on top of the world. I threw 176 at the state meet. I, I was like, man, I'm, I'm hot shit. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not getting recruited that much. I think uh, I, I didn't what do any is, over. No, that's that's way better than 50 feet in, in the shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I I think I was like 164 in the season. Mm -hmm. uh, went 169 at regionals, 176 at the state meet. So it it all kind of happened late. Um, and yeah. if people were looking at junior marks, like it it was nothing special. So yeah, um, yeah. So I I, I got uh, two lunches out of the recruiting deal. Um, I, I went to Michigan State, um, which I basically recruited myself there. I, uh, my coach emailed their coach and was like, this, this guy wants to go to Michigan State. Um, and then uh, Mike Turk, who's uh, at Illinois now, um, was at Western Michigan right before the program got cut there. Um, and I was looking at Western as well. 
and um, I, I was a really good student in, in high school, uh, so I had a lot of academic scholarships, and yeah. Michigan State was uh, just as expensive as, as Western Michigan. Um, Central Michigan actually came in with an athletic offer uh, at the state meet uh, right after I threw, uh, wow. so it kind of threw me for a loop, um, and it made me feel wanted, but uh, they didn't really have uh, – I didn't, they didn't have a men's coach really. They had a women's coach that sometimes helped with the men. So, um, I, I really liked the idea of Michigan state and, uh, decided to walk on there. Um, I had a good coach. Coach Wabonsi was, was awesome. Very, uh, laid back, um, made it fun. And for me at the time, uh, I, I just wanted it to be fun. Um, hit, uh, hit my first snag September, I want to say September 13th. Mm -hmm. I was doing uh, hurdle mobility, doing some dynamic um, step overs uh, sideways, mm -hmm. and stepped on my foot as I was lifting it up and um, broke my fifth metatarsal, um, basically your oh. the side of your foot um, where there's not a lot of blood flow. Um, and they thought it was a sprained ankle for a couple weeks, and then took oh. a couple weeks to get surgery. They botched the first surgery. Uh, a couple weeks after that, I had a surgery. Um, so I was in a, um, I was non-weight bearing through most of the, the fall, um, oh, came back. Yes. Freshman year. Okay. Yep. So, so we decided to, to redshirt. Um, I was started, I had a walking cast, um, and it was my left foot, my block leg. Um, and in January I started throwing, started doing stands and, uh, I had gained about, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds. Of, of freshman cafeteria food freshman 15 plus times too right? yeah i came out i came out of high school at 255 and i think my freshman year was about 285 um and and i hadn't been lifting like i was i was kind of away from the team until um until january mm -hmm. um but then i was taking there was about a three four week period where i was had that walking cast on and i was taking 60 stands a day um in the shot um still didn't help me make my stand respectable ever um yeah and i hit a growth spurt too um a late one i was 18 uh and just i hit a growth spurt and, and found a little more athleticism and speed yeah. at that at that big size yeah. um and uh that year i made the junior national meet i think i threw 53 54 to get in um at the meet, uh, it was uh, Jeff Chicoyan, Danny Ames. Um, I think Ruben Williams was there. I think I think Newell was there um, before his final. So he still had another juniors after that. Um, it was a great time. Shaq, uh, Jeff Chicoyan, uh won the shot uh, gliding at 59 feet as a high schooler. We'll see you Super. later. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He switched to spin. Uh, right when he got to college at Kentucky and that December um, through 20, 20 meters, 12, I think. Um, spinning, with, holding it like a glider and um, oh, was just crazy. Um, and Danny Ames was a freak um, uh, from UCLA. Yep. Uh, I think he threw, yeah, he was in the mid twenties in the shot and he, he threw over 60 in the disc. Um, he might've even thrown hammer too. Um, he was work, working with Venegas and just, just yeah. a phenomenal athlete. Um, but I ended up third there. I PR'd, uh, you know, I, I 
I might have PR'd later that summer. Um, but I, I threw 55-3, uh, 1686, I believe, um, and, and had a great summer, um, learning how to get better. Um, but was definitely uh, not, a, not a full year of training. Um, and I was, I was chunky. The, there was a magazine called uh, Long, Long and Strong Throwers Journal. Um, pretty big back then when the, when the, uh, the ring the discussion ring. board was still going. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they mentioned me, I think my picture is in there and they mentioned me as, uh, they said Danny Ames was life and that they said compared to the burly Steve Manns. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm burly. Great. Um, so registered that year, but got to do the junior national thing, which was cool. Um, and then, uh, and was third. So I didn't, I didn't make the team. Um, Jeff and Danny did. Um, but I got to do a, a few meets in Canada, which is where I threw 1686. Um, and got the, uh, the, the gear, which was awesome. Nice. Um, I mean, that gear still sits in, in my storage bins today, so I can Good, yeah. look back, back on a Sunday. Um, and, uh, came back my sophomore year, um, healthy and, um, indoor season. I think I was thrown around 58 pretty consistently, um, high 17s. Um, and then back then they had these last chance meets and there was one at Eastern Michigan, um, a week before the national meet and it's my redshirt freshman year. And I hit one of those throws that just like gives you chills at, at release. Like my whole body just yeah. total chills. I'm screaming. I mean, I'm, I love being intense in the ring. And, um, on that note, like I always knew before the throw, like it was a little bit of how that shot felt in my neck. If it felt okay. good. I knew, like, if I was going to yell really loudly, people were going to look over. So it better be good. Um, and it, it was something that just made that throw happen and, and created some great positions when, when my intensity turned up. Um, and that's one of those things with that, uh, that meet in uh, Ljubljana um, in Slovenia. I think it was there. Maybe Marbor. I don't remember. Um, well, the two. Before, yeah. Maybe Marbor. Yeah, before, okay. before the throw, I mean – I'm in Slovenia. Um, everyone knows Croatian. It's pretty much the same as Slovenian, um, almost. Um, and I know, like, if I yell something in Croatian, people are people are see it. They're gonna look. So before that throw, throw, I know I'm yelling I did, and uh, it, it just made it huge. Uh, it, it was really fun. Um, but anyways, so I remember us. I mean, the whole stand. We just turned out. What's going on? Like, like, where is he from? Like, people are like, where is he from? That's not, like, that's, a, that's America. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was, I was so wired up when you did that. I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great moment. Um, so, at that last chance meet, my, my throw was 1876. Um, pushed me from, like, 30th in the nation to 11th. Um, but, God, it wouldn't be 11, anywhere near 11th these days. Um, it would probably be about 30. <laughs> um, uh, put me in 11th uh, made the national meet um, the indoor national meet um, fell on my first throw uh, fell in the ring oh, uh, oh, kind wow. of embarrassing um, but ended up throwing uh, 1820 it was decent um, one of my first all-americans um, fake uh, still in my mind I was never top eight my best finish in the NCAAs was ninth um, but back then if you had um, foreigners ahead of you 
they would still count the top eight Americans. Um, so I would have, in these days standards, I think I would have been like a four time, um, what do they call it? Second um, team All American. Yes, yeah, second team All American. Um, so uh, it was a great experience. Uh, outdoors, I was okay. I think I threw eighteen twenty again. Um, I don't know if I made nationals outdoors or not. Um, I really just I was really good with the indoor implement. Liked the bigger shot. I held it way oh, back, good. almost on the back of my yeah. head. Um, it's still got my the back of my head deformed to this day from pushing yeah. the ball into it time. Um, um, and then, uh, following year, uh, broke my other ankle, um, out, uh, I did it at like two in the morning. Um, I was wrestling the guy, never a good time, um, to be, to be doing that stuff. And, uh, um, I dislocated my, my ankle. It was, it was about 90 degrees, uh, to the right. Uh, when I looked at it my right ankle, um, broke my, uh, my fibula, um, and, and tore the, uh, there's an interosseous membrane be between your tib and fib. And that was where a lot of stability is. So I threw that whole year with an ankle brace. Um, I think I threw 57, maybe 58, one, something like that. Um, just a tough year. Um, next year finally got back to, to where I was. I think I threw, I think I threw 1912. Um, and then my, my senior year, my fifth year is when, um, uh, I really just started to figure it out. Um, I started training harder. Um, my practices um, were just super intense. Um, and, I, and I never had a, a throws program that was um, kind of the European model with a lot of volume, a lot of sessions. Um, I was typically, I mean, there were weeks in college where I was throwing twice a week. Um, most, most, yeah, most weeks I was throwing three. After college, um, four more often um so i think i missed a little in terms of volume but it really allowed me to be super intense so every training session i had was 100 percent i'm screaming at every throw every full throw um working on a few things in the beginning but really like learning learning that that what was 100 percent in my junior year was 80 percent and just learning this whole new level of intensity um, and acceleration and speed. And uh, I started clicking and I think I, uh, I threw, I threw uh, 1980 uh, at the University of Michigan. Um, the week before I threw 1959, I think at Jesse Owens at Ohio State. Um, then got to the conference meet and got third like I usually did. Um, we had uh, Dan Taylor throwing 21 meters, and we had oh, Ned Jett, wow. yeah. who was just consistent 1980 to 20 meters back every time. So um, I could never, uh, could never best them at the conference meet, um, but it was it was a great time. Um, and then uh, graduated, um, got my degree in zoology. I, I wanted to work with uh, reptiles and amphibians before Same, I really. Animals, yeah. Yeah, before I uh, really got into track and, and just the the life of a track and field athlete and coach is is something that really um, drew me in. And I, I liked the season and traveling to hotels and um, and training and just getting better and better and better. Um, so after that, um, I ran into uh, Ty Saban 
um, who coached uh, at the Olympic Training Center in Chula yeah. Vista for yeah, yeah, yeah. four or five years. Um, he was coaching the, the pole vault and some of the throws. Yeah. Um, he was an eight-meter javelin thrower, um, yeah. but just very talented. And uh, he got a head coaching job down at McNeese State, Louisiana. Mm. And uh, it was just a unique situation. I had to go. Um, I could, I'd gotten my foot into the coaching door. Um, he let me coach the uh, shot disc hammer. He, he still coached the jab yeah, okay. and he coached the sprints hurdles because um, we had a, uh, a 19 foot 580 uh, vaulter that was coaching the vault in training as well. Yeah. Um, and, and man, I really learned how to train back then. Um, I realized the, the, the training I was doing in college was pretty light yeah. and uh, just learn how to be a, all-around athlete I, I I almost was training more like a javelin thrower um for a couple of years there um I I was 288 when I got down there um that first summer I was running six days a week um probably putting in at one long run so I was probably putting in 15 miles a week wow so um, working on on the speed or more uh more speed I guess yeah I mean I was just it really I mean, I'm wor I was working the endurance side of things, but I was um, just getting myself in better fitness, a better level of fitness. And I think it's something that, that paid off big time back then for me. Um, I, I got down to like 255 and uh, just pushed it back up, lifting weights. We had a hurricane come in and we were evacuated for five weeks and I slept on a floor, um, but I had nothing else to do um, but train. And it's, it's kind of a similar situation to what's going on right now for a lot of people. Like you got a lot of time on your hands. Mm -hmm. you, you can't go out like do body work, right? You got time be to train. Safe, be safe, but do, do something. Yeah. right? Yeah. And I had, I had a great little training group. Um, there was uh, a couple of Walters in me um, and Ty, we were staying on Ty's brother's uh, floor. Um, and uh it was just a great developmental time. And that year, um, it was 2006. That was my best year. Um, I threw 2029 indoors. Um, probably the best meet of my life was that indoor USA championships. I was fifth at, with 2029 and I was a centimeter behind Adam Nelson. And I was like, okay, like now we're doing something. Um, and that was the meet that, uh, uh, Andres and, um, John saw me at. Okay. Um, and, uh, Andres Hocklitz and John yeah. Newell and, uh, uh, Andres, uh, was trying to get into the agent thing. Um, mm -hmm. he was still throwing and training, yeah. but, uh, I was kind of like his pet project and, uh, he, he, he looked over, over me for four years and, um, really helped me out to, 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 um, get into that European scene. And, and that's, and that was something I wanted to do. I wanted to see the world at the time. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't a big deal in the U S um, I think my highest ranking was like 11th um, in, in 2006. And at the same time I was 23rd or 24th in the world. Mm -hmm. So in the U S like it didn't really matter. And, and track and field isn't that big. Um, so you don't have a lot of meets that pay. Mm -hmm. um, I think I only got paid at other than U S championships. Um, I got paid once at Kansas relays and that was it. Um, but in Europe, if you throw 20 meters, um, which I think I did, I think I did twice. I might have done it in Ireland, um, but uh, in my good years, I was I was sitting 1950 to 20, yeah. um, and it was enough to to make a little money. I'd come home from two or three months of summer with I don't know three to five thousand euro in my pocket, mm. um, 
and uh, go back to coaching. So um, I would coach during the school years in the summer. I would go and see the world. I, had, I met some great people, had some great relationships. I think uh, the first time I met you, um, we were in Sombate. Uh, I think I met you in Bielasica, but uh, yeah, my it. first year. Training camp, yeah. Yeah, may it rest in peace. That sucks. Yeah, um, it was a good place, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sad I can never really go back there. Um, but uh, we lived in Sombate in an apartment, and it was Andras, yeah. uh, John Newell, and uh, Ivan Berklicic. Wow. <laughs> so it was just it – was, it was a great situation. Um, we had this little uh, gecko pub. Uh, at the bottom of the building and and john and i would go eat there then we'd go train and yeah and yeah, yeah. I, heard, I heard you guys talking about the somate experience like yeah going there, i remember, that, I remember that, that restaurant too that's awesome it's like a um the domestic food right like a year yeah, yeah. cuisine yeah and no one speaks english uh, a few people speak german yeah. um and hungarian's like impossible to learn <laughs> um, alien and, language uh hungarian is Hungarian, Finnish, and Chinese, Japanese, like those are so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always thought Croatian was awesome because once you learn the alphabet, you could at least pronounce things. Yeah. Um, like there's, there were no, no tricks like English where you're slipping up saying something stupid. Yeah. Um, I still haven't gotten down all the, all the Croatian endings, but you guys, uh, you, you guys let me. Really well. You were speaking well enough to, like you were fine. You can go get your food. You can pay your bills. You were able to make a small conversation. You were fine. Like you would know when somebody talking about your yeah You hear that? <laughs> well, the fine. hard part that I don't think um, you Europeans have is I, I only learn from a book, so mm. I could say anything I want. But if someone starts talking, like I blank. Yeah. I don't know what you're saying. And then towards the end, like. I could I could start responding quick enough where it looked like I knew what I was doing, um, but uh, you, you guys get get so much American culture thrown at you with music and um, yeah. and you know all of our uh, movies and media that you're hearing English all the time and I just I wasn't hearing Croatian a lot, um, but uh, I, I could always say anything I wanted and I still can I'll forget a lot but uh, I still oh, get that plane. You need a month or two you'll be fine. Well, that is yeah, very true. That. All our movies, all the music is in English, mm -hmm. and you get accustomed to it very early, right, from, from yep. your childhood. And then when it comes time to learn it in, in school, which is age of nine or seven, right now it's even in, in kindergarten, so you, you start at five years old. Yeah. It, it's, it's not the same. But, yeah, when you learn, when you try to learn a different language at uh, 20, 21, that's a different ballgame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it helps to get immersed um immersed in the language and living in croatia helped a lot um i, I spent the first couple of years between hungary and croatia um we liked to go to bielasica um to train which was awesome yeah. um my last year i which wasn't a great year for me um i uh i had an apartment um for a couple months and i lived with these uh, uh four serbian gypsies um they're all brothers all brothers between 50 and 60 years old, no one spoke English. Um, and it was kind of neat. I had my own room um, and, and we They're shared a band, right? Were they a band? Yeah, yeah. They, they kept trying to invite me to these, uh, these little like parties. And I, I heard all these stories from my Croatian friends about these, um, these, these gypsy parties. And I'm like, man, I, I want to, but 
I, 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 I'm not gonna. So, um, I never really experienced that, but, uh, I mean, they taught me how to play cards. Um, yeah. I don't remember the games. Um, and they would, they would, they helped my creation a lot, yeah. but they got a lot of blank stares for me too. Like, I don't know what you're saying. Um, but, uh, the, oh God, those were great times. Um, it's, and just, yeah. the I great relationship. I remember when you were there, you were telling me, and that, and no wonder your creation was then getting much better at the Rasa, right? Like, oh, yep. Stable, we call you, you, know, you self, you picked your name, creation name was Stable Manzic, right? That was your creation yeah. uh, name. And, you know, Stable, your, your creation is very good. It's like, well, yeah, I'm learning with this, uh, with this gypsies. And uh, they don't speak English, so I had to speak with them. I go to training, you know, Nedjad and uh, Edis, we go to a coffee, you know, we're hanging out yeah. before practice for an hour. We, they're speaking, you know, within themselves, they're speaking English, but then, uh, you were yep. picking up so well. You were you were you were speaking Croatian. You were you were fine. You were like a let's say preschool kid, uh, maybe four years old, a uh, four yeah. year old <laughs> language uh, level. That that's where you were, which is still a lot. Oh, yeah. You get out of trouble, you can get in trouble, and you get out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and there were a couple times in my in my four years there, where I'd run into a there'd be a four or five year old Croatian kid near me, and I would love to listen to them talk because I like I got it all. Yes, like, that's I what I'm saying. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then I, we'd go out and with with the younger throwers, um, yeah. and they'd be having conversations, and I would I would pick up about they thirty forty percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew what they were talking about most of the time. I could usually tell if someone was talking shit about me, um, but uh, it, it was a great time, and, and the relationships that that we built and uh, places we got I, I got to see it was awesome. I mean the there's so many great Croatian people. Um, yeah. and uh, my friends, like I, I miss those days, uh, in Croatia, hanging out with Nedjad and Edis and you and, yeah. um, Jan, my, my former thrower who, who helped me with a lot, helped me with that apartment as well. Yeah. 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 Um, even, um, I hope I'm not missing any Croatians. Um, but, and my other, uh, former thrower, Katarina, yeah. um, just so many great people and the, the hospitality um, looking out for me while I was there. It was, it really made for a great experience. And uh, I never made an Olympic team. I never, um, never did anything bigger than fifth at that, that one U.S. championships, no better than ninth at NCs, but man, I milked everything out of it and, uh, and had a great experience. And I, and I think uh, some of the Croatians probably thought I was a little bit lazy and I, I get that. I'm kind of laid back. I would peak for the U.S. championships and then I go to Europe and I'm like, I don't want to get on the volume in the weight room or it's going to destroy me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to maintain. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. So, yeah, there was a, a, lot of, a lot of recovery and I was just trying to, to be as intense as I could for those meets. Um, but, man, it was a great time. My last year uh, was 2009 and God, I was killing it that fall. Uh, I was training at Ashland with Judd. Um, I had a, uh, I think that November, um, I had a training session. I threw the 14 pound, uh, 22 low. And then I had a 6K that was out uh, like 2280. Um, and I was like, man, this is, this is going to be the year. Um, and I, I messed something up in, in my scapula um, doing dumbbell rows. And then I kind of added a very violent block arm, um, into yeah. my throw. And it just, every time I threw, every time I benched, every time I did any kind of back work, 
um, I would have this pain between my spine and scapula and I, and I couldn't get it to go away. Um, trained through it, but just wasn't throwing well that last year. Um, still went to Europe. I mean, I was, I think that was my longest time there. Um, uh, that's when I had the apartment. And I remember, um, my last God, two or three weeks, I, I wasn't doing well at meets. Um, I got stiffed on a, a thousand year old, um, appearance fee in Romania. Uh, yeah, that sucked. Um, but, uh, I was living off of like two, $3 a day. I was going down to get bread. Um, by the end of that trip, um, my weight was down to 255 oh. and I was training about 275, um, yeah. post collegiately when I was, um, in better shape. Yeah. Um, man, I was 255 and I was like, I, I, I'm not making money. Um, I need to get a job. I want to get into coaching. Yeah. Um, so that started at the uh, university of Finley, um, and had, uh, uh, a great a, a group of great athletes really um but i had one national champion in the discus Derek yeah. Vickers, um as a sophomore um uh division two i think he i think he ended up winning another three or four titles um i think one in shot maybe one in weight and he was just phenomenal all-around thrower um everything but javelin and then uh after finley um which is kind of part-time um that summer i was a security guard uh third shift um, just to, to make ends meet, um, at, at the school, um, and then got an opportunity to go to Eastern Michigan, um, and start making a little bit better, uh, coaching money, um, and, and built, build a program there. Um, had some great athletes. Um, one of my proudest moments there is, um, uh, an athlete, uh, an athlete, Anthony Jones, um, walk on, uh, 51 feet shot, uh, 161 disc. Uh, had a 19 foot long jump, which I really liked. Um, and he walked on. I was the only only coach giving him love. Uh, Fanger at Kent State was coach uh, recruiting him a little bit, and the kid just had a knack for the weight throw. Um, and I think he's the smallest guy to ever throw um, what he threw. I think it was 2184, um, and he did it at uh, 5'11", 208, 208 pounds. And we went to that national meet, man. And there's no one under 260, 270. Yeah. And then there's Anthony. Um, but uh, just great talent. His, his quadrathlon stuff was through the roof. Um, had long arms and just really figured out the weight. Wasn't a technician enough to really go big in the hammer. I think he went 60, 270. Um, and uh, after that, uh, started coaching the decathletes as well. Um, using the other coaches, um, my sprints, hurdles, uh, colleague um and jumps uh sterling roberts um amazing coach and uh we tag teamed it um he he did a lot with his events and i kind of ran the program um and something i really love with the catholics is the organizing the the workouts there's so much chaos there's so many events um and i was blessed with an athlete that put a lot of trust in me who had a lot of talent um in solomon simmons um and I think he was his senior year. He was sixth at NCs and sixth at the trials and um, eighth at worlds last year. Um, no longer coached by me and with much healthier knees. We did our last two years jumping off of his opposite leg and the long and the high. Um, and he ended up find, finding a, a good surgeon that figured him out. Um, so he's, he's going to have a nice bit at the Olympics um, uh, in, two, in 2021, wow, uh, which is. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but uh yeah i built a group from scratch at eastern i had one thrower um when i left i and it was just men when i left i think we had i don't know 13 or 14 guys um yeah and that 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 might be including i think we had 16 or 17 including like three to catholics so um yeah it was a big group um a lot of developmental stuff a lot of walk-ons um or guys that came in on books or 10 percent, something low um and just built a really good group and uh uh four years ago um my wife beth uh we we knew she's from cincinnati works for kroger which is based out of cincinnati so we knew someday we were going to be in cincinnati um, family right close to her yeah yeah, yeah. and she's she's she makes the big bucks and i i uh I get to coach and, and have a great time and do what I love. Um, sure. So uh, we came down here, um, Colin Beaver left for Oklahoma and I mean, the rest is history and it was just, it was just perfect. Um, so it, it's been great building the program the last four years. Um, now I get to, to sit back, relax a little bit, um, especially on the recruiting side. I mean, those years when you're building something, man, it's, it's a grind yeah. and you're, you're you're making i don't know 20 30 calls a week when you're grinding really hard you end up talking to 100 150 people over the over the year and it's just it's a grind but uh out of those 150 calls if you have a a 10 percent success rate you're you got 15 athletes right there so um it's tough when you lose the good ones but uh Every once, in, every once in a while, you find a great one, or you find a diamond in the rough that you didn't even know. Um, Which can't be more famous for? Which you're famous for? Yeah, uh, working the squeezing the, the 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 smallest juice out of the, the athletes, right? You're getting that talents out there. Um, you, I get a. Most you were like that, right? As well, I, you were you were talented, but it wasn't the talent of the, um, Dan Taylor, right? Right there, that was like, oh, this is gonna be an amazing athlete. And like you said, right. you were not you were not popular. Well. You're not known in U.S. because you were a 10th or 11th shot putter. Uh, but if you were uh, in any other country, you would be at Olympics. 20 meters was the standard for Olympics. Uh, 20, uh, 19, yeah. 80 was the B standard, right? So you would make yeah. team in Croatia or any other country than U.S. You just happen to be in U.S. the best freaking shot putter about country it. in the world. I thought about it. I think I was, uh, I don't know, like five or six years late to the uh, – when when Croatia was was giving out citizenship um, a lot a lot more freely um, back when uh, I think when Anders did it, um, yeah, yeah. but Anders had ties yeah. too. I mean his I think his his grandmother was um, uh, yeah. from the Dalmatia region or something like that, um, and so he grew up. He was learning a little bit of Croatian as a baby. Yeah. Um, but, oh, so uh, that's that's. Uh... Like I said, you were you would be on a team, you would be Olympian, you would be a world uh, championship competitor. Uh, it just happens to be in U.S. and now in U.S. I mean, every year I remember one year uh, Reese Hoffa was sixth at USA Trials or USA Championships with twenty ninety, almost twenty one meters, right? A guy throws yeah. sixty nine feet and gets uh, sixth. I mean, that's I mean, yeah. unbelievable, right? And you win medals with that, <laughs> right? Yeah. At yeah. the world championship. Um, and I love what you did with your program here. Uh, you are a builder at uh, Miami, Ohio. You, you build up a good program. Um, and it's just you. That's you. As, we, as you talk about your history, right, from the high school, college, 
and those surgeries, I didn't know about those surgeries. Man, I, that's I mean, to persevere, to keep going. People, I, I stumbled my toe on, on a bed, and I'm like, ah, I'm, <laughs> I'm complaining so much that my wife started making fun of me, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got all these surgeries that you have to go through and still continue to throw. And I remember your last year in Europe with the pain with, the, with the, uh, your shoulder, clavicle. Um, yeah, you were struggling, but you are still, like, getting out there. You're, you're giving 110%. Uh, and that's that's amazing to see always, and that's why uh, I admired your work. I admire you as a thrower, as a person, because you you cannot fake that. Like you really, that's you don't stay in track for that long. Going through what you have gone through, uh, if you don't really really love it, um, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's something that I want recruits to to know as well, and they can see that you really really soon after talking to you that that you love that sport, that you live it, you live it. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. How was it? How was it the injuries that you had? So a lot of athletes, obviously, being an athlete, I talked to Jason Tux the other day. He said, uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? If you're pushing yeah. yourself to the limits, you will get injured, right? Otherwise, you're not, uh, you're not pushing yourself to the limits, right? You don't know how far you can throw. Uh, how was going through that mentally more than physically, Jason? I mean, it was tough. I, uh, the first time I, I was kind of away from the team, I, I'd only been throwing for like a week, um, just voluntary going out there. Um, and I think I threw like 46 feet with a 16. Um, I mean, it was tough, but I didn't really know what to expect in college. Um, the second injury was, was pretty significant. Um, both injuries had me non-weight bearing for like two or three months. So that was, that was the hardest part is just getting around, especially in Michigan in the winter. <laughs> with crutches there are a couple times where my one good leg slipped and there's nothing to catch me um but uh definitely tough uh that that whole it took me one year to recover from that second injury to just get back to where I was at um and during that time like you you've got to focus on stuff that you can do um if you've got a bad leg like get your bench press going um if you mess up your throwing hand like get your squat going like Im- improve the parts that you can um and wait for for that moment when you're when you're ready to go but uh i i think durability is such a big thing for athletes um more so than 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 talent um yeah. I, I mean i think the biggest thing is is volume and reps like how many times can you get, can you take a throw yeah. and the the people that are the most durable they can live through the the small injuries and avoid them um to the point where they're they're taking more reps than the other guy um and i think that's the biggest thing is is reps like i don't care if you you're you're i mean some guys are six eight with huge wingspans and throw the disc bar um but those guys that can really put the work in um those those hammer throw type athletes that i like to find that are just work 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 i mean it's such a a blue collar event that like you, you put the work in, you put the reps in, you're going to throw the hammer far. You're going to eventually learn how to, how to feel the hammer. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, it sucked. Uh, and I always said to myself, if the third one came, like, I'm done. Um, it's, just, it's just so much to work through. Oh, there goes Murph. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was tough, but we managed to get through it. And during that time, obviously – you were in college, so you still have some academic um, uh, responsibilities, right? So did you 
did you focus on that? Did you get your mind off of that? Just, you know, do what you can. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I usually save this, this, this conversation for my athletes when they're like fourth or fifth years. Um, I was, I was a really good student in high school and I worked really hard to, to, yeah. to my, my academic success in high school. Um, but honestly, when I got to college, uh, I, I cruised uh, a little bit. Um, I was in a position where I could, uh, I think I still graduated with like a three, three. Um, but my, my main focus was, was trying to throw far. Um, I wanted a degree, but, uh, you know, like two years into my zoology degree, I knew I want to be a throws coach. Um, so just get through this, get my back, let's move on and, and, and try to get my master's in something more, um, coaching related. So that's a great example too. Uh, and I always tell my athletes that um, are recruiting when they're undecided, right? You can really take a year or two in college, kind of figure out really what you want to do, right? And if yeah. you do oh, yeah. find yourself in a position or a major that you don't want to do, you can always go master's, right? You can always take classes that you are interested in, uh, so yeah. it, which is something that you have done, right? Now for you, you were a great high, high school student, um, so you didn't have to work as hard maybe as other students. What do you right. say to, uh, to athletes who, you know, and parents who you recruit, uh, athletes that you recruit when they're saying, okay, Miami, Ohio, would I be okay there as a student? I'm a, am I going to struggle? Do you guys have uh, resources for, for those kind of students that are, you know, oh, afraid? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the typical, uh, what most colleges have with the, with the um, student athlete support services kind of thing um, and tutors and all that. But uh Miami is a different situation than, than a lot of places that I've coached. Um, it's a great, great, great academic university. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the level of the students there and just their mentality, like they, they're really, they're student athletes. They're not just athletes. Um, but I, not everyone I bring in is a, is a 4.0, you know. Um, I bring in athlete, student athletes that I know are, are going to have to work hard to to do well at Miami. I mean, it's, 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 it's not a joke. Um, you definitely have to work hard academically. Um, and fortunately most of the students, student athletes I get, like that's, that's a great focus for them. Um, and I expect, I expect them to, to go to class and and bust their butts academically. Um, yeah. And I I don't usually tell them my history until uh, later on, but I bit, but I preface it with like, the reason I got to that point is I, I worked really hard exactly. in high school yep. and um, I, I wasn't into parties. I, I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. It was just academics and uh, the last couple of years um, sports, like really trying to trying to bring that to a new level. Um, and I think I was, I was blessed to have that kind of um, uh, development or approach in, in my social life and, um, just being a, a late bloomer and and focusing on uh, on the academics first and then finding my my athletic rhythm so an athlete that you recruit now if they are mm-hmm. obviously they have to have some kind of base uh grades some kind of uh, there's there's a level of that you will are able to present to your compliance or your admission to say okay this athlete this student athlete will be fine here we'll give him or her all these tutoring and advising to be uh, able to graduate. You will not, you will not tell somebody to come there if you don't believe they're going to make it. Right. Um, right. Right. Um, 
and I mean, a 3.0 student, that's, that's someone where I know, like, they're, they're, they're going to do all right as long as they put the work in. So a lot of it comes down to what kind of personality they have, too. Um, and sometimes you just, you don't know in the recruiting process what you're going to get. Um, work ethic and passion are, are not always easy to, to weed out of all those numbers when you're, when you're looking at 10, 15 people, you know. Yeah. Do you go to the but, meets, the state meets? Do you go to high school meets to uh, look for athletes? Yeah, so um, I think one of the things that I, I'm blessed with um, as, a, as a mid-major coach compared to a lot of the Power 5 coaches um, is, is it's not – I'm not on the road every weekend when meets aren't going on recruiting. Um, I honestly don't think I've ever done a home visit uh, in 15 years of coaching. Yeah, you have some good um, athletes. Yeah, you, you go to I mean, without it pretty well. <laughs> a lot of emails, a lot, it, it's a lot, I'm not going after a lot of those athletes that, that are getting home visits. I'm looking for the ones right below that level that, that are going to develop. Um, but I'm always checking out the state meets indoors, outdoors. Um, Ohio has so much talent. Yes. Um, yes. Even when I was in Michigan, I was recruiting more out of Ohio. Um, it, there, there, there's so many good coaches and good young coaches. I mean, all of the Judd Logan disciples are just dispersed out through Ohio, <laughs> killing it. And, um, just in general, across the nation, I think why we're seeing this this mass improvement, um, like at the NCAA level, where now what does it take? It takes 1930, 1940 to make make it to the NCAA championship meet. Yeah, 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 well over I mean, 19. Yeah, yeah. It, that's insane, and I think it's a product of of um, coaches passing on their knowledge and being having more of an open atmosphere nowadays where where everyone knows how to train and, and knows each other right what's out there yeah and I mean now you're seeing crazy stuff where throwing 20 meters in the shot I mean back in my day there were in college there were five or six guys maybe now I mean it's crazy it's, I remember one year Edison Edja got first and second indoor with 1950 something, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 1958, 1957. Like they were sitting uh, uh, behind each other. Uh, yeah. I remember uh, one of my one of the I think it was the first time I met Edis. Um, we were at regionals in uh, LSU, uh -huh. and uh, I think I was second to Jeff Jacoin again. Uh, I, I threw 1959, but in warm-ups, I saw Edis take a, an 18-meter stand. Oh, yeah. and, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, just – that was something that I never – never compared to, to the other 20-meter throwers. Like, most 20-meter throwers, they're going to throw 17 meters from the stand at least. And uh, my best ever was 1550. Um, oh, wow, okay. Uh, I loved half turns. Uh, I had a best – um, I had one half turn at Ashland indoors. They have a really low ceiling and it, it kind of tapped the ceiling and uh, still went uh, 1850 or 1858, something like that. Um, so, so my half turn was decent. I just, I did not have that, that raw power that, yeah. that, that the other guys had. I had to, I needed some momentum and speed to build that up. That's really impressive that you did almost five meters in conversion from stand to full throw. That's really <laughs> impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was five meters. Yeah, it was five um, if you count practice PRs. I, I think I threw 20, mm. I think I threw 
2075 or something like that in practice. Um, probably didn't save it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. I, I hated Santos. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember seeing this at, in Sacramento, 2005. This is when he won with 2080. I think he threw 2080 something. Uh, and he had a big foul, 21-15. And I thought that was uh, incredible. Like, this is, this is yeah. super power, right? And yeah. now you, you can't even make the final with that. 21-41, I think yep. Chuck was eighth at the World Championships, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which was – that was an insane meet. That was so yeah. fun to watch. Watch that live. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, no, I remember – I think my first meet in Europe was in uh, Cork, Ireland. One of the – I went there every year. It was such a great meet. Mm-hmm. But uh, a young uh, Tomasz Majewski was there. And this yeah. is before he's throwing 21 meters all the time. Yeah. And I watched him take a stand throw near 20 meters. Um, and then I think a couple months later, I watched Ralph Bartles take a stand throw about 20 meters. And I was just yes, like – Those gliders, I, yeah. 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 I am so out of my league with these guys. I, I can't imagine being able to stand throw that How is, Yeah, watching 20 meters stand throw. I don't uh, – Ryan Krauser can – can push, I don't know, I, I think I saw him close to 21, 20, 20 50, something like that, because uh, he ha- has that kind of gliding finish, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just so impressive. I can't even imagine uh, Timberman and back in the days, they were pushing 21, 50, 21, 80 with stand throw. What is yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy. Well, and it's and it's such a, a disadvantage for a thrower like me when you go into a, a – maybe a high pressure situation or, yeah. or just only having six throws. And those guys that, that have that big strength base, like mm, yeah. my, my bad meat, I can throw 18, pounds, yeah. 20. Yeah. They, they, they're bad meat. They're still throwing 1950, 2050, like just using their stand throw. How strong were you in the weight room? Um, I stopped squatting for singles. Um, my last year of college, uh messed up my back a little bit um i did uh and then i went and that was parallel um when i started training after college it was all all the way down um i did 565 for five at my best um so my squat was decent um my clean was 175 i did that a couple times um and one time i got 125 uh kilos in the snatch um, nothing like your snatch. Um, my first stories. Um, <laughs> but, uh, one time I got 275, um, uh, typically I could get 120 kilos. Uh, I probably did that 10 times. Um, uh, and then bench, uh, I got 435 once, um, when I was at Ashland. That's okay. um, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I should mention when I, when I got to Ashland working under Judd, that, that taught me a lot about the weight room. I mean, those guys are animals and it's so awesome. Um, just, getting after it and and uh ty saban he taught me how to be an all-around athlete yeah um judd taught me how to be to be stronger um yeah yeah, so i I think i benched 435 once um after college i I was usually over 415 um but i mean nothing like all those other guys were benching mid 500 in the yes no that's that's not bad but it's not as as those guys who are 20 throwing 21 right so you still threw really far considering how strong you were right 20 over 20 meters a couple of times um and and you know i had uh, i had a uh i had a really good military um Mm. my incline bench was probably 405 okay i I was 
close. And, and that oh. came into a lot. Um, the way I threw was more of a military press than a bench press. I mean, I was throwing like up over my ear. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really need as big of a bench press. I wasn't, I wasn't more yeah. throwing in the same um, um, line of line of pull as those other guys. So now that you you have that all that experience, you train with some incredible coaches uh, in Shopput, obviously in Hammer as well, uh, Judd, and then Jolt, right? In Sobate, you spent quite a few months over yeah. there, uh, with those uh, Christian Parsh and those guys, right? Jolt. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking for and, and you see that in Sobate, right? When the kids are starting, 12, you know, 11 years old, 10 years old, they're starting to throw. Uh, and knowing what you know with you not being, you know, 50 feet in high school, that's, I mean, come on, right? For a guy like you, but then, you know, obviously you worked your way up and you were All-American and you threw over 20. Um, if uh, you have an athlete that hasn't thrown far uh, and um, they, you cannot obviously give them full scholarship or how do you, is there a possibility at Miami that you reward them later on? Or if you get a scholarship, I don't know, 20%, that's it. Uh, no, that that's one of the great things, um, and, and I'm I'm <laughs> so fortunate uh, to have landed in this situation. Um, I have um, an amazing boss, and I have um, amazing coworkers. Um, we, I think, we have more fun as a staff than any other any other staff in, in the country. Um, sometimes maybe too much fun, but it makes going to work just. Yeah. so much better i mean w when you really enjoy what you're doing and you, yeah. there's not i mean yeah we're going to have some stress and, and there's going to be pressure in our jobs but um my boss just he lets me do my thing he knows i'm going to get my job done and uh yeah. i don't have to stress a lot it, um, there are times when you got to grind and there's there's time when there when there's pressure to perform or uh, pressure to recruit but um it's nice to even as an athlete or for my athletes, I expect everyone to work hard and I expect us to train at a high level, but if it's not fun, why are we doing it? Yes. Um, life, life is too short. Like let's, everything we do, we should be, be, be enjoying. And, and uh, even, even for those people that grind and grind and grind and work their butts off and, and, and work 80 hours a week, like if they're having fun, that's awesome. Um, for me, you'll never see me work eight hours a week. There's, there's just too many things in life and I want to balance. I want to spend time with my family. Um, and, and that's why like, I, I am, there were times when I aspired, man, I wanted to be uh, a big power five coach. Um, I interviewed at Kentucky, interviewed at Purdue and it was something that like, this is, this is the progression. This is how, um, I've, I, I, um, evaluated success and it's, it's just not anymore. Success for me is like, do you, do you love what you do? Are you in the right place? Is it the right fit for you? Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of the same for recruits. I mean, is it the right fit? Um, I mean, I, I lose recruits to, to big 10 um, schools all the time. And I mean, I get it. Um, there's just, there's some things I think recruits need to weigh a little more sometimes. Um, some recruits will take the best financial deal. And that's not always the best school um, or the best coach or the yeah. best team program. Um, and, uh, I mean, finding that right fit where you can truly just enjoy life, I, I, that's, that's success to me. Um, and that's something that I've, I've, it hasn't, 
all been by by my work some of it's just being in the right place at the right time um but uh i feel really fortunate to to be at miami and 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 build have have a head coach who understands that right to understand that yeah that that, that kind of culture because that spreads out to athletes like if your employee is not loving uh, his or her job your athlete is going to feel that too and then a bad team right yeah, and that's – I mean, that's something we hear from our athletes a lot is um, – oh, sorry – is uh, that – I mean, they feed off the, the atmosphere that the coaches create. I mean, we, we have fun, man. We, we're competitive. Um, we, we play a lot of ping pong, um, which uh, you and I have had our moments yeah, in that. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of uh, – what is it? Prasica, the little piggy? <laughs> Yes, Prasitza. I remember yeah. you, you were either yelling Prasitza or Toe. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. If it hits, yeah. Yeah, if it hits like a, in, in a weird angle and you can't get it. Edge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that was one of the amazing things in Europe, man, just the, the ping pong ability. Uh, of remember Cable and Primoz, how good were they? Oh, Primoz, oh, my God. He and his coach, they were yes. phenomenal phenomenal oh my god talk about that, competitiveness that. And, and the love for for everything uh, to be competitive across the board he got a personal coach for table tennis so he can beat primor <laughs> and primor she still beat him <laughs> and he would get so mad he got this hundred year old um uh, racket whatever you call it right <laughs> he, was, he was over he was really good he was really good but primor was just another level i mean that was those are great times uh, in the BLS. It's a training center and just amazing food and, and different, like some stuff you've never had before. And um, I remember uh, there were a couple times where um, they, they they'd take down a, a goat at, yeah. for, for all the athletes. And it was just, yeah. God, it was yeah. so cool. Or, or being up in that weight room, which is like just this, I mean, compared to American weight rooms, like just this little like closet. Yeah, one podium. Yeah. Um, kind of like the like the Sombate weight room too. Like very very simple, um, but it got the job done. And we would get done with those weight sessions and the ping pong tables right outside. And it's yeah. God, shoot, that, those are great some hoops for the warm up, play ping pong for warm up, and then cool down. Yeah, man. We would play music in that basketball. Uh, it was so hot there. Remember how hot it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were all out the window. Can't breathe. There's no AC. And we're boiling. Oh my. Yeah. But they had the creek outside, room the creek, uh, the water uh, was close by. Yeah. What I loved about that place, man, there, I mean, there's nothing miles and miles around. You're just trained. There was a great food, uh, great, I mean, enough uh, conditions that you need. Right? You have a yep. throwing field, you have a weight room, you have a tracks and then stadium. And then you got an Olympic champion, Primoz there, all those guys. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh... – one of the first phrases I had to learn was, uh, where is the fire station? Um, because, I mean, you, you, you drive into, o- uh, or you take a train into Ogilvy, yeah. right? Ogilvy, yeah, yeah, which is like you an to, hour you drive. You have to walk, like, and then you have to walk a mile through this little city, this little village where yeah. no one speaks English. Nope. And I'm asking where the Vatragasta Stanitsa Vatragasta Stanitsa, yeah. <laughs> And then you take a bus to to the train center. It's uh, like and then 30 that, minutes through uh, curvy. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I remember. I remember uh, Ned made me drive uh, to the to the coast one day. Oh, through through yeah. those winding roads. Oh my God, it was so scary. So windy, yeah. yeah. Driving in another country. Yeah. Most uh, Americans couldn't do that because they don't know how to drive a stick. Oh, it's it's rough out there, man. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh. So luckily, none of the universities here have to go through that. We have better conditions. Obviously, you have good facilities over there at Miami. Um, and you say scholarships do get rewarded if an athlete's oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah, yeah. We I think we have like twenty to thirty bumps every year. Oh wow! Um, it's all it's all based off of the conference meet and what we have available too. So, okay. um, so how about if an athlete is not, let's say he or she just can barely score in the shot put, but can also barely score in the discus, but can also barely score in javelin. So they pick up two or three points in every event and they score ten points. Is that seen the same as, or it doesn't? It's not seen the same as somebody who wins the. I think total points. Total points is is all I care about. Um, I think getting to a a new level of scholarship, you you got to do something on a national level past that. Um, But I mean, being an event champion for ten points, not making the national is the same as an athlete going out and getting three three sixth place finishes. You know, Um, I mean it, it. for me, um, I love having fun with the national level athletes and them them taking me on their coattails on all these great trips out to Eugene and in Austin and, and just I mean getting to experience all the great food out there and getting my double double at In and Out. Double double. That's great, but yeah. um, in, for 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 my coaching perspective and the schools and ads that I've worked for, um, we we want to get get it done at the conference level and win some championships. Um, and, and there's no better feeling than putting all that work in over years. And then all of a sudden you get to that point and you get to the meet and, um, you win that, that conference championship. That's, that's a great feeling. So what is the day like at Miami, Ohio? Uh, day, well, how many groups do you have? When do you start practice? What's the balance between school? Do they go to school in the morning? Do they go afternoon? When do you guys lift? So what's the average day for you guys? I think we're a little bit um, non-traditional compared to most universities. Um, our indoor facility is shared uh, with football, baseball, softball. Um, so I'm always, um, both the fall and the spring semesters, we're going to be in that building um, towards the end of the fall and then early spring. So we're always fighting for, for the time slots. And you're never going to beat out football when they got their, their three to six or their two to six. Okay. Um, so we typically practice from from nine thirty in the morning till about two thirty in the afternoon. Um, that that that's when I'm coaching. Um, our groups are broken up. I'm almost always trying to sandwich um, two to four groups uh, around a weight room session. So our weight room is typically going to be eleven thirty, twelve thirty, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting out in the morning with a couple groups. Um, I, I try to keep my groups uh under six um but um i mean sometimes i'll have seven eight athletes out there as long as i'm not in er all of them in the in the discus hammer and that's usually the limiting factor is discus and hammer Mm -hmm. um javelin and shot they never get congested like that but uh trying to to maneuver the 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 student athlete schedules and and figure out uh, some sometimes i really enjoy that but uh 
it's tough. Um, it can be, it can be a challenge. And, yeah, and I think I think the bigger and better our group gets, the more I have to just spread out my time um, coaching. But um, I, I think I have a lot of support um, from from our head coach to 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 do what I need to do with with the athletes to to make sure that they're getting enough attention on an individual basis and uh, to to keep getting better. And and obviously, you're spending more time with your your point scorers and your your national level athletes and, and giving them the love um, that they've earned. Um, but still, you gotta you gotta keep working with those developmental athletes. So in a couple of years, they can be the point scorers. Yeah, yeah. So th- th- that's great to hear too that you do even you know even if it gets too crowded that you um, do reward hard work and those guys who put in time time in for their you know so, uh, uh, junior senior years when they really want to produce some results, see what's going on after college you do find time for them. Okay, let's find this block. There's going to be only three of you or only two of you guys. Um, yep. So that, that's good to hear. Um, but yeah, if you're developing some things, you can, like you said, you had a high school, right? 80, 80 throwers. I remember Mac Wilkins, he would have these camps and he would set us up, you know, five, six rings. And he would go, okay, everybody do this drill. And everybody does the same drill. And you can do that with 80 people, right? But now what gets... You know, more right. complicated and athletes get more sophisticated, then, yeah, you're going to have to do some other things. But until you're at that level, same every, every every sport, right? Football, soccer, basketball, you learn the basics, and then it's coach like, okay, you are graduating to this group, right? Right, right. Yeah. What is your um, philosophy in terms of training and coaching? Do you do you have this workout that you give out to all the shot putters, or do you uh, uh, set up differently to different body types? or? Um, so there's usually a, uh, a base workout or a template for the entire group. Um, and then it gets modified after that. Um, so a lot of the main lifts, um, uh, bench squat, well, not always bench for hammer throwers, but, uh, squatting Olympics, everyone's doing pretty much the same kind of squatting Olympic, yeah. Olympic movements. Um, a lot of times we'll have an Olympic movement that's more, um, individualized like shot putters. I want them to do jerks. Um, hammer throwers were doing some sort of pull. Um, but, uh, I, have messed with the auxiliaries or accessories, whatever you want to call them. I, I mess with those a lot, um, to get it more individualized, um, on the athlete. Yeah. Um, and then the, the training of a javelin thrower versus the other heavily events Obviously, yeah. there is, is different and it's more, more like my decathletes training. Um, but, uh, the shot disc hammer guys are, needing a lot more in the weight room whereas a javelin thrower we're, we're doing a lot of it but we're doing a lot of work um with with med balls special strength general strength stuff like that to to just be really all around fit um but yeah i i think the only workouts where we're very similar we'll, we'll still have some stuff um auxiliaries that are different but that first block in the fall yeah, um yeah, it's really the only time where it's like all right everyone's together we can all do the same thing um whether you're a 150 pound decathlete or a, a 280 pound shot putter like we're, we're gonna get in shape and, and do that general workout um but yeah as much as i can keep my sanity and keep everyone together we we it's individualized based on uh event groups yeah. and uh I am designing the workout around the best athlete within that event group. So if you're a, if you're a 40 foot shot girl um, and I have a 50 foot shot girl, um, 
you're going to be doing what the 50 footers doing. Mm -hmm. e even if it's not the most ideal thing you should do. Uh, I I'm, I'm focused on that 50 footer and you're, you're going to get improvements and development no matter what you do. If yeah. you're a, a 40 foot freshman, you're going to get better. Just, just being out there training year round and, and, and training like a college athlete versus a, a high school athlete who might train eight to 10 weeks possibly. Um, and the rest of the year they're doing volleyball or other sports or sitting on their butts all summer, you know, for you, because you were, you play soccer, you play football. Um, are you looking for, does, is it advantage for you to see that athlete when they send your resume that they're doing other sports or you want just track and that's it? Um, I mean, it goes both ways. If I have an athlete, I love seeing it. Some uh, athletes that do other, other sports and other events. If I see a real nice, like big person, hundred meter time or a long jump or a high jump, like I'm like, okay, this athlete um it's it's kind of the only way i can get an idea of their uh, uh train like, or under -train, right? ability yeah. you know like oh my gosh if, if you can long jump 19 feet at 220 pounds you can probably uh standing long jump three meters so so you've got some of the abilities to 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 develop power yes. um okay uh, and just just have some overall athleticism um But then again, if I run into an athlete that only does track and they got a private coach and they're throwing you around, like that, that shows a lot of passion. Um, sometimes it could be a highly developed athlete that it's really hard to improve with. Um, if they're training like a college or, or elite level athlete when they're a junior in high school. Um, but I mean, I love that kind of passion and work ethic if, that you, if you find those athletes. Yeah, and then if if they're not good in discus, you uh, put them in, in different event, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So you kind of see if they're hard workers, right? Yeah. Uh, if they have that uh, zeal that they want to put years of work in it, the result will come. Uh, will yeah. come. It's just a matter of not first year, second year, maybe fourth year, right? Yep. So and I, I love making hammer throwers out of anyone. Yeah. <laughs> my, my my first hammer thrower uh, at McNeese, he uh, his name is Freddie Hanny. Um, when I got there, he was a 200, 400 guy. Um, not very good. Um, was going to get cut, but, uh, he was the hardest worker in the weight room. So I, I, and I didn't have a very big workload with, with my group. So, um, I asked that coach if I could have him throw hammer and he's five, seven, 165 pounds. Yeah. And, and he buys in right away. And just the, he has the hammer thrower mentality, man, just nice. like, he's throwing on Christmas day at home. Um, and, uh, first year, I mean, it, our goal was, Hey, by the end of this, let's score a point of conference by the end of your college career. If we can do that, then it was worth it. Yeah. Um, first year he gets eighth and scores. Oh. He goes like 44, I think, um, this is back in the day when hammer and weight was a lot weaker. That's, that's <laughs> uh, really good, yeah. Back in the day when I held the, the weight throw school record at Michigan state of, uh, 1723. Okay. <laughs> That's changed. Uh, okay, yeah. And then John, uh, Lonnie, and AJ, and just yeah. demolishes it. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember. But uh, he ended up throwing uh, 58.90 in college, um, and he kept doing it a couple years during chiropractic school, and he threw 63.99 um, at 5'7", 225. So, wow. um, watching watching a I, that hammer throw is my favorite event. Um, Watching the improvement that happens from from hard work is pretty awesome. How um, excited for you was I mean, we were talking about you know being an athlete throwing far. 
but I know I, I kind of know the answer for this one because you are such an enthusiast of throwing. How awesome! How exciting was for you to see him go from nothing to 44 to 58 to 63, and eventually. It was, it was sweet, and and I I was only with him uh, two years in person, and and then his uh, senior year I coached him uh, and wrote his workouts um, yeah. and got all that to him online. Um, but man, it's just, it's so rewarding. That's, I, I think watching these athletes get rewarded, um, the way that I did, like, that's, I think that's the coolest thing about our job and, and, and watching these athletes get to experience, um, some of the great things when you, when you put all that work in and even if, even if it's, you finish college and you're a 50 meter discus or like still getting that experience, scoring some points. Getting PR is getting better, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no matter what level you're at, like seeing someone improve um, athletically and seeing seeing people develop these these we're getting these young adults at 18 years old and watching them become more mature 22, 23 year olds. It's it's really neat. And it it keeps me young. I, I feel like I've been in college for for 20 years yeah. um, being around these kids and yeah. <laughs> they love it when I throw their lingo back at them like lit. <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> uh, say something oh that was fire oh they love that. Uh, <laughs> so I, are you on tiktok uh, and then my yeah what's that are you on tiktok if you're staying young I, I guess tiktok is the thing now in college you know i am terrible at social media <laughs> um i i i see my, my wife does uh the gram so okay. um I'll see something if she thinks that it'll interest me. But uh, I'm one of those guys. I get on Facebook um, and I'll look around. I don't really post much. Mm. Um, most of my posts are going to be family family related or when we get into the season. Um, I'm not great with social media, but uh, I, I know like you, you're doing a great job. Um, I know uh, there, there's a lot of coaches out there that are really using that to their advantage to to it's a great way for you to show someone what the program is like what you're like what your athletes are like without them visiting um i just i i am not good you're not there media. yet you'll get it's there. not a technological thing i just <laughs> I, I don't i don't feel like i i want to take that time on my phone i mean not that i'm not on my phone all the time everyone um i just i want to play cards or 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 text someone i don't um I, I cannot keep up with uh, posting pictures every day. It's kind of like um, yeah, yeah. supplementation, like like taking my protein and my glutamine. Like, man, I was terrible at that as an athlete. I just I, I could detail. I could get like three weeks. Yeah, God, it's it's just I, I can't keep up with it. So um, I, I have ups and downs with social media, but I, I do my best. Well, what I like what I like about you is, yeah. So even though if you're not active, you know, as as some coaches are, uh, but you are active in your athlete's life, and you do pay great attention to them and what they need to do and how they need to train, right? And uh, and that that's that's what matters, man. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that, and I I think I was listening to your podcast with with John, and I think you guys mentioned it. Um, finding a place where like you know the coach is really invested in you um, that really matters and finding i mean these days find a place where that there's some stability like yeah. and that's hard for a for a 17 year old kid to figure out yes like 
Yes. How do you, how do you know if this coach is going to be there in two years or three years? Like there's, there's so many athletes that have had three or four coaches throughout their college career. And that's, it's just, it's tough to be successful like that. But yeah, well, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, uh, one of the questions I always get, um, almost always, almost always is coach. Are you going to be there when, uh, <laughs> when I come there, right? If I'm recruiting athletes, uh, they answer that because they see that they see coaches jumping, not necessarily because they are, it's their fault or they want to do that. It's mm -hmm. change. It's athletic department saying, okay, we're cutting track, uh, or we are changing the coach head coach. We bring in a new head coach and then what do you do? Right. Um, so that's, that's a great point to, uh, to address also consistency in uh, training with one coach who's going to get to know you in two, three, four years. It's, I think he can get much more out of you or she than just four coaches that are great coming every year different, right? So yeah. And, it, and it's so hard that first year. I mean, I feel like I tell my athletes all the time that it's that second year of training is yeah. when it really comes together. Um, I think a great example of that is uh, um, Kibway Johnson when he went from training with that uh, Judd at Ashland, which is when I was there, um, mm -hmm. to training with Bonnerchuk. I mean, he I think he was a 70 feet, 75, 76 meter guy at Ashland. Following year, one year with Bonnerchuk, I think he's throwing 68, 70 meters. Everyone's like, everyone's like, what's going on? He's done. Well, he, comes, he comes back the following year and he's throwing 80 meters. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, that's sense. And, and, and Vondrachuk's system's um, not like everyone's. I mean, it's going to tear you down because uh, it's just so much volume. Yeah. Um, but, God, it pays off in the long run. It's just so many reps. Yeah. It's a culture shock, too, right, especially for young athletes going from high school to college, maybe out sure. of state. This is the furthest they've ever been. To be in an environment that is so different than they used to is just mentally it puts you in a situation that you have to adapt to your school, to your friends, to the new coach. And yeah. after that, like you said, first year, uh, and I always, I always tell this to athletes too, let's not expect anything first year. Whatever you got in high school, this is your adjustment year. We're going to take yeah. this year's adjustment, learning, and if you do PR, yeah, that's awesome. Right? We, we'll take that. But don't expect anything right away because it is shock, right? It's a culture yeah. shock uh, yeah. to the nervous system as well. And, and your food, you're eating differently. There's no mom cooking. You have to – uh, find food for yourself somebody like you or like me i had a you say you had 30 pounds i gained i gained 12 kilos what is that 12 kilos in four months yeah 20 yeah 20 something about almost 30 pounds uh in I, four months. 10 times in my life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 i'm just such a uh it's all or nothing for me, man. Oh my God. <laughs> you go, you go full in it, right? <laughs> yeah. I, no food left behind. And I'll lose. I mean, I think I've lost 40 pounds in my life, like six or seven times. <laughs> and, and, and then I do it and I, and I've put in six months of real hard work, man. I'm, I'm, I'm watching my cars. I'm exercising every day. And then I get to a point and then I do like a three, four month stretch of nothing. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, I just, uh, it's all in for me. I, I, I can't. It's, yeah, well, you're working from season to season, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Season. Oh, yeah. There, there are so many times where, I mean, usually my, my philosophy was uh, when I was in season, like, eat whatever you want. Like, uh, you want some McDonald's for fourth meal? Yeah, go do it. Yeah. Um, and, and then I'd get to 
uh, August, I'd be like, man, I am a whale. Um, And I'd go from 285 down to like 260 um, in in two months. Um, And maybe not the healthiest thing, but um, that was just the way that, that it worked for me. I, the, the September and October was all about like fitness and conditioning. And when I got in season, I wanted to focus on getting bigger. And as a shot putter, momentum is such a big part of the equation that that extra mass makes a difference. Reese Hoffa would say mass moves mass, right? Yeah. 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 So the, the, the dedication you have for something that you really put your mind to is incredible. Uh, it goes in throwing, goes in learning the language, right? You go and I remember Katarina and uh, Jan telling me, like, yeah, our coaches, we walked in on him listening to Croatian on a tape, you know, his office. And we were like, who's speaking Croatian? We were like, we, we, you know, we sneaked into it. We like, well, it's Steve listening to tape. <laughs> this is, yeah. you know, that's, how, that's how dedicated you get. And I remember thinking, like, who's learning Croatian? Right. <laughs> who would do that? I, that yeah. I, I think that's part of the reason why I was able to have so many great relationships with Croatians is uh, I'm the amount of respect I'm, I'm showing by, by learning the language. Um, and, and for me, like, I love language. I, I, I'm Croatian is definitely my second language. Um, but, uh, I always want to know going into a country, like, how do I say, please, how do I say thank you? Like, how do how do I say like one more beer, you know, like the important stuff. Um, (laughs) but uh yeah it was just it, it was ideal i had two croatian athletes i wanted to learn a language um and then i found out oh my god i'm 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 living in near croatia made a lot of sense what what made me so impressed is the and what i try to do like yourself now uh, not to extend, you have you always you know eventually spoke Croatian. I do try to learn a couple of uh, Icelandic words, uh, some Spanish words. But I have athletes from there. I think it shows, and it did to us who were uh, bystanders or by lookers through Katarina and Jan, how much care you had for them, right? So you 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 were learning this this that is part of them. Like you're investing yourself in your athletes to the point that you want to make them feel comfortable. Uh, at your university, you want to show them that you're trying to do whatever you can to make them feel comfortable and to help them get better, right? And I think that's uh, one, oh, yeah. of the, one of the big advantages that you have as a coach is that you don't think of that. Like nobody, and we had so many athletes from Croatia in U.S. You know, Nejad, you know me, you know Edis, right? Um, Haklic. I can tell you, none of us, co- none of our coaches learn Croatian, right? Or even tried to learn a couple of words. And to us, they were like, ah, oh, this guy. So it wasn't like a, like a thing, like a plan you had, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, gain their trust. <laughs> like everybody else does it, right? You just did it. Uh, and I think that was so awesome yeah. man, when you came to Europe. And- I don't think Andres tried to learn English. <laughs> what was that? I don't think Andres even tried to learn English. His, room- <laughs> his roommate with, uh, I think, Montenegrin. <laughs> his first couple of years yeah so he I just to, he, well he he was a number guy right he was really good at numbers he's like martin uh, uh mathematics uh, i scored 800 on sat economics no problem like why why i need you know english which he was he was his genius he's a genius he's uh, i think always stories speak well he's a four-time nchf master's degree right he's uh he has accounting firm very oh he's like four languages now at yeah, least yeah 
Yeah. I remember one point he was like, Martin, now I've been in US so, so long, now they're making fun of my Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're making fun of my English, Croatian, my German, and now they're making fun of my Hungarian. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, mm, no good. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was another person I, I loved listening to Anders speak Croatian because it was simple. Yes. Um, yes, yes. So, so for me, it was a lot easier to understand. Um, he, learned, he learned most of Croatian in college, too. He had a roommate from uh, Montenegro, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think his first two years, he, he improved his Croatian more yes. than his English. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, he, he <laughs> said that. Yeah, he said that. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's – uh, I don't want to take too much of your time, Steve. I know uh, you have, you know, kids to take care of. But I wanted to thank you for being – caring about uh, your foreign athletes as much as every other athlete. And, then, so like I said, there's something you can't fake that you just love seeing your athletes get better in every way, right? Not just uh, in, in way through, but you want them to have the best time and learn the best that they can. Uh, and I love that you have that in uh, Miami, Ohio, too, that, that environment of everybody being on the same page and uh, caring for the athletes, having fun. Um, really, like you said, and you said, you couldn't say it better. If you're not having a good time, what are we doing? Life is too short. Like, this is, don't do this, right? Spend your time doing something yeah. that you love or it, in around the people that you like uh, rather than just why. Even if you're a world champion and you hate it, uh, that's such a waste of life. Uh, you can yeah. Do oh, yeah. I've seen totally some athletes and have fun. Yeah, you you see some athletes who who work harder than anyone else, but they get four or five years in and they're burnt out and they just don't want it anymore. Yeah. And I mean, there's got to be a a balance. Yeah. 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 What is the best way to reach out to you if obviously you're not a wizard on social media, which is, you know, coach, coaches shouldn't be anyways. <laughs> What's the best way uh, to reach out? And how do you like your athletes to uh, reach out to you their junior year? You know, coach man, this is me. This is, uh, you know, my PRs or uh, email uh, where they can find email. And how do you like that message to be tailored? Um, email uh, is, is probably best. Um, it gets frustrating when you get emails from, from, high school athletes and there's just no detail like i i need to know what your prs are a video would be great i need to know your academics what do you want to study if you just if you just send me an email that says hey i'm so and so and i i really love the throws and and i want a scholarship um th yeah. there's no information like you're gonna make me do a bunch of work to, to find well and i'm we, gonna do it anyway then, yeah, we gotta go regardless. Back forward, right? yeah. regardless of whether you give me your marks or not i'm going online to to, to look for myself but uh just just having that detail to to know uh the the numbers behind behind the the student athlete and then um it always helps to to have a message of of, of what kind of what kind of worker are you what why are you passionate about the sport why do you want to come to my school or why are you interested in my school yeah. um i want to know those details and then um um, I think I think one of the biggest things um, I, I like with student athletes is or with recruits is is it doesn't always have to be me calling you or me emailing you. Um, you want to shoot me a text, give me a call. Like I'm always open. Like if you feel like oh you haven't heard from me in a couple weeks and and that's something that you, is important to you, yeah. um, I mean get a hold of the coach. Um, you can't just sit there and, and wait for for the the school to get get a hold of you they don't know that 
you're interested necessarily. Um, I mean, I was, I was one of the better throwers towards the end in Michigan. And I mean, my coach had to tell Michigan State's coach, like, hey, this guy's interested. Um, he's not a 60-foot shot putter. He's not a 180-foot discus thrower, but um, he's really interested. And just I, I think knowing a, a recruit's interest level helps a lot. If I see a if I see an email and and I can tell that that recruit has sent it to a hundred other schools, yeah. like you're not really interested in my school. Yeah, that's a lot of time to be putting in to 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 figure out which school you're going to go to, and those ones are usually competitive. You have some school that it's like, oh, I might think that this student athlete or is a walk on compared to my group and, and my standards. Some other school might think they're worth fifty seventy percent, and and and. When, the, when a student athlete is, is – or I'm sorry, when a recruit is sending out 100 emails, they're usually looking for the best financial offer. Yeah. Um, they, want, they want the big scholarship. And I understand, like, a scholarship makes you feel wanted, um, but it makes you, makes you feel like – yeah. yeah, it makes you feel like you're wanted by the coach and the program and all that. But, I mean, <laughs> we're not football. Yeah. It, it, we don't, we don't have 85 scholarships, right? So it just – and right. you have – and you have 80 people on the team that you have to spread it out, right? So right. Uh, getting a full ride, it's really difficult. And uh, sometimes it's not even worth it uh, for, for you to be on a full ride just anywhere, right? So like you said, if, right. you, if you are a talent and you go into a big school uh, and they, you know that that school has 45 throwers, are you going to get the coaching that you need, right? Uh, are you, right. you going to get to your full potential? Are you going to have a good time doing it? Uh, first of all, and then will you get to your potential? Like I said, that's you know, is it worth it, right? Because you could have, you yeah. will never know how much you could have uh, achieved in this sport uh, just because you choose that big name. And I'm, you know, not do, I'm doing disservice to myself right now. <laughs> it's not well, a good, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> exactly, but no, but that's the truth, right? I, and if the, if you're not happy at a school, and I always tell athletes, uh, I know that's the case with you as well. If you're not happy here, I'm. I'm not going to be happy because I want you to be happy. I want you to have the best. So don't choose a school just because it makes sense for your parents or it's a flashy title, right. but choose it because you feel comfortable there because you see yourself there with a coach. Like, wow, this coach really cares about me. You will get 800% better than just being at the name right school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, having the coach's attention makes, makes a big difference. Good. Um, well, Steve, thank you much. So again, guys, if you are if you are a recruit, and if you're a parent and you want your kid to be taken care of to the fullest mentally and physically, obviously giving all the resources that they have at uh, Miami, Ohio, with trainers, with academic advisors, uh, and being a better person. I mean, you can't. It's really hard to get uh, better than you, Steve. And I, I've seen that. I've seen with athletes. The the biggest proof of that is, is having. Seeing Jan or seeing Katarina all the summer, and they're like, "Stable, yeah, stable." We start talking about you, right? It's like our, our smiles go on our faces, right? So that that shows everything without even saying, right? Uh, so thank you again so much. Thank you for your time, and I'm I'm sorry I haven't seen you this year. I'm excited to see you next year at the meets. Yeah, man, it's it's really an honor. The uh, um, being uh, pulled in with the other coaches that you you've talked to. I mean, you've you've been talking to some great coaches, so I feel. Uh, really honored to, uh, to be asked to chat, and uh, uh, thanks for the opportunity, man. Voila. Voila. <laughs> that was Steve Menz, one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. 
If you like this episode, please take a moment and leave us a review and see you guys soon. <laughs>